0: All about pharmacies in 2015. This is Industry Focus. Hi Fools, healthcare analyst Michael Douglas here and I am talking to uh, one of our uh, healthcare contributors, Todd Campbell today. Todd, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I just got back from my local Rite Aid store picking up a couple things. So this is the perfect time to talk about pharmacies. (laughs)
0: Well, not that that biases you, of course, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> I I feel like we've all had good and bad pharmacy um, experiences, so yeah, important to, to to be careful there. But yeah, let's let's jump right into it because you know people talk about. People think about pharmacies a lot, just sort of the like, um, you know, when you're going in and you're buying your prescription or you're getting your People magazine or, or, or whatever. Um, but let's face it, the business model often goes a lot beyond that, and I think it's really important. These are intriguing investments, and I think they're very interesting to a lot of people. So, so let's dive into kind of the major things people should be watching for pharmacies in 2015. What's on your mind for that, Todd?
1: I think one of the most important things that investors need to understand about the pharmacy business is how it is changing the, the long-term trend that is changing this mm-hmm. entire industry. I mean, historically, pharmacies were operated as two distinct businesses. You had you know, the main part of the store, the front end of the store, where of course you could get your People magazine uh, or your pack of cigarettes or whatever it happened to be right. uh, at the time. And at the back end of the store, you had this separate business that was fulfilling, uh, filling prescriptions for individuals. Now, the future of pharmacy is a holistic approach mm-hmm. where you're finding ways now to get the back and the front of the store referring people to each other. So now you're not just talking about Oh well, what were my sales in the pharmacy, and what were my sales in the front end? You're talking about what are my sales overall, and that's the perfect time to do that to take that holistic approach because you have so many trends that are likely to send demand and store visits and everything higher for these pharmacy operators: Rite Aid, of course, CVS Health, um, and Walgreens. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point, and especially when we consider some of these major trends, and we'll get to those in just a minute. Um, t- to my mind, one of the other big things for people to really be thinking about is is sticky relationships, right? So, so at the full, and especially I'd say in tech and in consumer goods, they talk a lot about sticky relationships. How do you how do you increase those switching costs, especially when you have pharmacies that are across the street from each other, right? I mean, you know, it, it seems whenever you see a Walgreens, there's a Rite Aid right next to it, and a CVS maybe one block away. So, how do you Build that sort of sticky relationship to make sure that people keep coming to your pharmacy when the other one is only 20 feet away. And I think that you know we're seeing a lot of a lot of work, spade work that's been done by all the pharmacies to try and make that happen. I'd say CVS has been has been the early adopter and perhaps the the early winner in that. But you know, Rite and Walgreens are both definitely fighting to catch up.
1: I think without a doubt that the biggest um, way that pharmacies are trying to uh, create that stickiness is through the Opening in-store healthcare clinics. Mm. I mean, it is—it's a, such a perfect natural uh, extension of their business, their pharmacy business, because now you're saying, okay, I'm not just relying on someone having gone to the doctor, the doctor writing out a script, that script then being brought to whichever pharmacy happens to be closest. Instead, what I'm saying is that you're not going to have to wait in a doctor's office to see the doctor for a flu or a sprain or something. You can come right into our store, sit down with one of our trained nurse practitioners. That nurse practitioner is going to evaluate what the treatment option is best for you, and then you can walk out of that clinic right into the main part of the store, buy all the over-the-counter medication that you might need, be it you know a cough medicine or whatnot, And at the same time, go to the back of the store and maybe get a a prescription filled for whatever you happen to need as well.
0: Yeah. Well, and let's face it, you know, we know that the pharmacy, the pharmacy side, um, as opposed to sort of the the candy bar and People magazine or whatever, in the front, um, has been really driving a lot of the same-store sales growth. Um, and we have seen positive same-store sales growth overall. And, and I think that's, that's going to be a big trend for people. Um, and you know, Rite Aid, of course, uh, purchasing Ready Clinic last year, um, is really just starting to really get into this. I mean, CVS has a much bigger Minute Clinic uh, footprint. Um, but you know, it'll be very interesting to see whether Rite Aid is able to capture a significant share there and then build out this clinic presence.
1: Rite Aid has a tremendous amount of catching up to do. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Full disclosure, I happen to be long Rite Aid stock, um, but I will be the first to admit that you know they are behind the eight ball. Rite Aid is a unique player in this industry. I mean, mm-hmm. Walgreens and CVS are far larger companies. Mm-hmm. Rite Aid went out and made a very expensive acquisition of a competitor, Eckerd, back in 2007. Tons of debt on the balance sheet as a result just as the Great Recession hit. As a result, they lost so much money that while CVS and Walgreen were able to fuel investments in these new programs, new stores, et cetera, Rite Aid was too busy putting out fires trying to figure out how can I refinance this debt, what stores do I need to close, et cetera. Now Rite Aid is in catch-up mode. They've had a couple of years in a row now where they're making some money. They've got some uh, financial flexibility again, and those investments are starting to be made back into growth, like, as you mentioned, the Ready Clinics. Mm-hmm. And what's mm-hmm. important about the Ready Clinics is that, you know, look at what CVS has accomplished. CVS went from having virtually no ready in-store health clinics at all, okay, uh, back, you know, six years ago to now having almost a thousand minute clinics open in their stores and plans to have 1500 minute clinics mm-hmm. by 2015 uh, 2017 um, the revenue from the minute clinics alone is remarkable they they they're planning on almost 350 million in revenue just from the minute clinics yeah. and to your point that you made previously you know the front end of the store helps revenue but All these things are low-margin items. For example, cigarettes. You know, CVS Health CEO was invited to the State of the Union uh, address last night um, for a reason. And that reason was because they had decided not to sell cigarettes anymore in their stores. That's a low-margin business. Now they can get rid of the cigarettes. They can replace it with uh, more profit-friendly items. Um, They can devote more time and attention towards developing chronic Uh, Healthcare programs, things that are going to create that stickiness that you mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, no, and and I think that's you know when it comes down to it, that's the name of the game, right? That's why you have store loyalty programs, which, uh, to be fair, I know Rite Aid has one, um, and and that's why you also, that's why you have so many. uh, consumer goods companies, retailers, basically trying to find ways to sort of keep those people in the store, at the store, not going to competitors. Um, and certainly, CBS has carved out an interesting moat for itself with the smoking cessation, um, and the the um, uh, smoking uh, smoking cessation only pharmacy uh, plan that they're uh, that they're planning to roll out, um, which could be a, a really big thing for them. Um, on that point, you, do you think that writing in Walgreen will ultimately be in a position where they need to uh, follow CBS's lead and get rid of, as you pointed out, a low margin business?
1: I think it's inevitable, yeah. I really do. I mean, the, the reality is that we're spending as a nation over a hundred billion dollars a year in direct medical costs on, uh, on smoking-related diseases. Right, And it's just, it's, it just seems silly. The study that prompted CVS to get rid of cigarettes in their store showed that a significant percentage of the people who were going, who had, you know, smoking-related diseases, were getting their prescription filled and then going to the front of the store and buying packs of cigarettes. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I think ultimately we will see that, especially as um, I think Walgreens probably more likely sooner than Rite Aid because Rite Aid is more concerned at this point of just making sure that its, its top line is able to grow and that right. its margins can continue to improve. It may be a little slower to adopt that, time will tell.
0: Yeah, um, and, and I think you, know, you made a good point earlier that I wanna bring out and talk about a little bit, which is that let's talk demographics, right? Let's talk about this sort of rising tide that could potentially lift all boats for these pharmacies in 2015 and beyond. Um, sort of these major demographic changes in the United States that are really going to, we think, probably help drive this investing thesis for these pharmacies and make them really potentially really good long-term holdings.
1: 10,000 people, boomers, are turning 65 every day. That is amazing. I mean, the aging of America is a a massive trend, Mm -hmm. and it could be proved to be very uh, friendly for investors in pharmacy stocks. Um, Rite Aid recently reported a, a slide deck that showed that the average person who is, you know, over 65 is filling more than two times the number of prescriptions per year as the person who's under 40 years old. Um, that is a phenomenal tailwind. Um, you know, in, in these big players, Rite Aid, Walgreen, uh, CVS, they're capturing a larger and larger share of all of that uh, prescription demand. You know, CVS, for example, has reported that in the last five years, it's captured almost a third of every new prescription that's been written. I mean, that's, that's tremendous opportunity for these companies. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good point, and definitely something that makes these interesting to watch moving forward. Uh, what is your favorite pharmacy stock for 2015?
1: Well, I'm long Aid, but that's a speculative stock. Uh-huh. Not every investor is going to want to have some of that, and it is a small position for me. Yeah. It's one of those positions that I've taken a little bit of a, a longer-term look at and said, I think that they can do well over the course of the next five or ten years and place and catch-up. Yeah. CVS overall, CVS Health, is my favorite mm. because they have the size. They already have the scale with the minute clinics. They've, they're just continuously innovating in creating new ways to serve aging uh, America. And they've got this phenomenal business on that's $76 billion in revenues in pharmacy benefit management where they're actually running drug programs for insurance companies and, and employers. So I think CBS Health is overall my favorite in this space. And then for speculative investors, they may wanna consider writing.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's very fair. And um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the PBM, the pharmacy benefits management, as you mentioned, CBS is bigger revenue than the actual uh, retail stores, which is just an amazing, uh, and I'd say largely unknown, and I think by most people, largely missed, and very key part of the CVS investing thesis. Uh, certainly, these will be stocks that we'll be wanting to watch very closely and, and following, uh, following into 2015 and beyond. Todd, as always, thanks for your, uh, thanks for your uh, fantastic analysis. And uh, for The Motley Fool, I'm Michael Douglas. Check back to fool.com for all of your investing, healthcare, and otherwise needs. And, of course, also the Industry focused podcast. And Fool on.